Support for WERU comes from Maine Boats, Homes, and Harbors Magazine and Show, August 10 through 12 in Rockland. Art, architecture, furniture, food, live music, and boats, boats, and more boats. On the web at mainboats.com. It's just a few seconds before 10 o'clock, and you are tuned to WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online everywhere at WERU.org. Boat Talk with your hosts, Alan Sprague, and Mike Joyce is up next. Good morning, good morning. <laughs> <laughs> Caught me napping. It's uh, second Tuesday of the month, 10 o'clock, time for Boat Talk here on Community Radio. This is uh, Boat Talk is a call-in radio show for people contemplating things naval. With your, uh, with your rusty uh, anchors, Mike Joyce and Alan Sprague at your surface. Yep. <laughs> We're both sleeping here. I wasn't going to say anything because you always start, you know, and you're sitting there watching you and you don't seem to care. So. I was writing notes, yes. Yep, but here we are. And uh, the June edition of Boat Talk, just an embarrassment of riches, we think, because uh, we were talking about it just recently. We got a whole summer's worth of material just at... And obviously in front of us, and then a bunch of other stuff that keeps uh, zinging by, yep. including, um, if we're lucky this morning, we're going to have a call from uh, offshore, from the Wanderbird, uh, off of Sable Island, Nova Scotia this morning, quite possibly, but uh, more importantly, and, and much more definitely, our friend Giffy Fola is sitting right here at the end of the table. Good morning, Giffy. Welcome Good back, morning. Giffy. Yeah, Mike Joyce, Alan Sprague, and Giffy is the senior member of the boat truck crew. He comes in, uh, makes us actually not only not only look smart, but be smarter. So, <laughs> And uh, also, you can call in, too. This is, as I said, a call-in show. With the call-in number, I'll give it to you right now, is 1-866-625-9378, if you'd like to contribute anything also. Um, With any luck, as I said, the uh, 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 delivered a boat into Belfast a little while ago, and the Wanderbird is a big, unusual, uh, steel-looking boat. Uh, it's not steel-looking; it's uh, unusual-looking. It's made out of steel, and it sits on the end of the town dock in Belfast when it's in harbor, and uh, it does expedition cruises. Captain Rick and Captain Karen Miles, a uh, couple, they're both registered captains. They have uh, some crew on the boat. And they take a dozen passengers uh, around the Gulf of Maine. They like to go north as well. They're going to uh, Greenland and Labrador later this summer. And at the present time, uh, apparently off of Sable Island, Nova Scotia. And, and again, if we're lucky this morning, we might get a call on the satellite phone from these people. And if they do uh, get to call in, we'll drop what we're doing and, and uh, talk to them. Otherwise, we were going to also... Uh, Chat with Rich Hillsinger from the Wooden Boat School this morning. Mm-hmm. Yep, he's going to be in in about 10 or 15 minutes. And uh, we're also going to be talking about Wooden Boat Show, too, that the Wooden Boat School sponsors. It's going to be happening down in Connecticut. But. Well, I'll tell you what, it's summertime and everything is happening, yep. uh, starting right now. And uh, including uh, 
Boy, I got to uh, go offshore just recently and uh, had a had a just one of those lifetime remarkable sales the other night. You know, we uh, for different reasons had to shut down the electronics and uh, uh, not use the autopilot, and we got to sail across the Gulf of Maine the other night to uh, Portland and in a Bermuda 40 yawl. Yep, now, you had a, a pretty much of a full moon, right? Uh, the moon was uh, just past full. And again, uh, up a little bit after uh, sunset there and, and providing very nice light. And also the wind was uh, initially in a pretty good uh, point, but it came around a little bit. And so that the wind now is kind of moderate. It's only blowing 12 to 14 knots, but um, we are pinching just as high into the wind to uh, clear halfway rock so we can sail to Portland on, on a single tack there. And we have a Bermuda 40 yawl, a Hinkley Bermuda 40 yawl from 1971. And uh, a yawl has uh, two masts on it, and the little one is behind the rudder in a yawl. It's uh, quite a small uh, sail, but it's, it balances the boat. I hope, the we, I hope we know that. <laughs> yeah, well, no, we like to explain some of our, some of our boaty terms to, uh, uh, you know, not everybody that listens to boat talk knows about yawls. Yeah. The difference between a catch a yawl and a schooner real quick, I mean, you know. So anyway, here's the point. It was a it was a yawl. It had uh, not only a jib and a mainsail, but a little sail behind the wheel. And we're not using the autopilot tonight because uh, we want to save electricity. So we found that we could point this boat into the wind and and get the sails right in tight, and lock the wheel and and turn the wheel a little bit to leeward, a little bit away from the wind. Okay, and lock it with wheel brake. And that boat would track just like it was on a railroad track. Mm -hmm. yep. And if it wanted to point up into the wind a little bit, you'd just take the mizzen sheet, the, the uh, yawl mast, and let it out just a hair. And she'd settle right back down into her straight line again. And if it wanted to uh, fall off, well, you'd, you'd uh, sheet it in. Sheet it in or sheet it out on, on the mizzen to that little leverage at the back. And, and it's very remarkable that you get a boat to balance like that, especially pointed into the wind. And... So we were able to just sit there like with a cup of tea and a cookie and watch the water go by in the moonlight. And it was kind of pleasant, to tell you the truth. Mm -hmm. it, really, it, it really There's was. a lot of boats that don't sail themselves once you get them set up right. Right. It reflects balance, though, and good design, and not all boats are balanced. Mm -hmm. uh, well, with yeah. a centerboarder like a B-40, you can sort of tweak the centerboard a little bit and make adjustments also. And we have the centerboard all the way down, and, and it's all about uh, balance and leverage on that boat. And uh, but it was just remarkable. We didn't think we could get it to balance into the wind, and and we we're some happy just to sit there and not have to steer it as well. Yeah, because the boat, in fact, can sail itself uh, even better than we can. I have a little quick uh, story too, talking about balancing boats. This goes back to uh, many years ago uh, uh, when I was working at the Hinkley Company. I had a story of a uh, one of the uh, Hinkley owners were sailing in the Pacific and on a long offshore trip, and they got into some bad weather, and one of the hatches, uh, the, you know how the Hinkley has a little uh, opening hatch on the cabin top, uh, either caught a wave or a line or something, but how, somehow the, the hatch came off and flew back and hit the helmsman so bad that uh, they had a call for help. And um, he, uh, unfortunately, was the only, he was the captain, and the other people who were going to uh, be left in the boat didn't want to be left on the boat without their captain, so they abandoned the boat and left it in sailing trim, and it was found a week later still sailing itself. Nobody on board. 
left the boat. That's yeah. hard to grasp, but uh, well, yeah, I understand. If nobody, hey, if we haven't got a pilot in the airplane, there's no point in being in the airplane now, is there? <laughs> <laughs> they probably don't handle themselves very well for a week like a boat would. Oh, hard to say. Uh, somebody was just saying, well, you know, you're better off in the boat than you are if, uh, like, your airplane quit, and isn't that still the truth? So, yeah. and the phone is ringing, and we're wondering if uh, no. Nope. One eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight is the number. We got to talk about the uh, boat talk cruise coming up, Alan, because it is coming up this month and uh, June twenty third, Saturday night, isn't it? Yes, it is a Saturday night, but we do have a phone call, so let's go to that first. Good morning, welcome to Boat Talk. Good morning, this is Captain Yo. Ah, speaking of the boat talk cruise, <laughs> you guys are describing the the self steering method that I I use for all my models. And it, it really is kind of a trick to get everything balanced just right, the main sheet against the helm in particular, but also uh, jib sheets. And what I found uh, doing a similar thing, sailing Annie McGee, when I was young and foolish, I used to uh, trim the sails, lash the helm, and then go stand on the bowsprit end <laughs> when I was sailing solo. I would never do such a thing now, but... This is without a lifeline on two. But as a young man, it was really exhilarating. And uh, the trick for that kind of self-steering is you, you slack the main sheet a little and you trim the jib a little more than you would for best sailing. And that allows the boat to settle in. And what I would do is, if the, when I was on the bowsprit, as the vessel started to gripe into the wind... I would just give the jib sheet a little pull, and that would head us off again, and we could sail really for miles sitting on the bowsprit. And it's very similar with uh, the Santa Maria model that I made, which doesn't have any jibs, but just as a quirk of the rigging, the foresail yard braces around further than the mainsail yard. And what that means is, uh, on a reach, as she gripes, the mainsail starts to luff before the foresail or the spritsail, and that moves the center of effort forward and heads her off a little bit. The other remark I wanted to make about this kind of uh, self-steering with the helm lashed is it really only does work on the wind. You cannot lash the helm and expect your boat to balance at anything further off the wind than a close reach. It's just one of the particularities, particularly with a with a fore-and-aft rig, it's very hard to stabilize a vessel heading downwind. Thank you so much for putting on this program, guys, and thank you to everyone for supporting Community Radio. Yo, we'll see you on uh, on the boat there, won't we? Oh, he, hung yep, he hung up. Anyway, I uh, was looking at the list this morning, and Yo and Barbara are on it. Coming on uh, the Boat Talk Cruise, which is leaving the dock in uh, Northeast Harbor on Saturday night, June 23rd. 5.30. 5.30 p.m. I uh, googled a 14-day uh, forecast, and the weather forecast for that day is perfect. Alan, 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 there is no one perfect on the Boat Talk Cruise. <laughs> now, we have had a couple of nights. We've had a night where it was foggy. We've had a night where it uh, threatened showers and stuff. We've had a night where it rained uh, cats and dogs torrentially just after we got back to the cars. That's right. Okay, yeah. I was going to say I couldn't remember raining on the boat. Yeah, but there was one uh, foggy night. I was just thinking of it because uh, there was one night that was quite foggy, but 
here comes the uh, Morris uh, 52 day sailor out of the fog and mm-hmm. back about it back into the fog and just you know slip by like that and it's just a different way to see things now the sea princess the uh, boat that we are uh, so ably uh, afforded by Bar Harbor cruises down in Northeast Harbor there and it's covered and it's uh, not a factor really what the weather is inside the boat mm-hmm. yeah well I was kind of actually looking forward to uh Maybe seeing a good sunset. We haven't had a good sunset in any of our boat talk cruises yet, and the chances are good because they say it's going to be partly cloudy, more sun than clouds, but sounds like a good uh, good chance to have a, a, a pretty sunset then, too. Just saw a couple of good sunrises at sea, but well, that's harder to arrange with the boat talk cruise, get all those people up that early in the morning, wouldn't it be? Still looking to hear from somebody who's seen the green flash, too, speaking of sunrise. You, you ever seen the green flash? Yeah, yeah. Can I tell you yeah. one more thing about seeing something? We're uh, crossing the Gulf of Maine the other day, and we saw lots and lots and lots of whales. Um, mo- a few up close, but uh, a lot of them spouting it at a distance. But they seem to be uh, zipping hither and yon, you know, the seem to be quite active. A- and has anybody else noticed that the turtles are crossing the road all- everywhere right now? That's Ooh. about water, too. Snapping turtles. Speaking yeah. of, you know, yeah. animals got to go around right now. And right. The, the I generally stop and take them across the road myself. I hate to see them get run over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I had an interesting one yesterday. Um, I was aboard my boat and I uh, was watching six eagles. Six? Six eagles. Wow. To, uh, right over the Center Harbor. Hmm. Were they six uh, of them and full-grown eagles. Flying around, yeah. looking at something they yeah, wanted soaring. to eat. Yeah, yeah, obviously fishing and... Uh, uh, that that's not a record because one of the lobster fishermen, Mike Sherman in Brooklyn, and his uh, stern man, they saw seven last week. Well, that's yeah. good that they're coming back. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking of the things that are uh, right there that you don't appreciate. Those eagles are there, and and you could have not seen them. And I was in the head. We're crossing the Gulf of Maine. We're we're probably forty fifty miles off of Portsmouth, New Hampshire. If you were to come sideways into land, you know, and and. Uh, I stand up and uh, look out the window, and here is a whale, probably no more than a boat length to to a uh, port of us, paralleling us. And here he's just come out of the water with his back fluke hmm. and back in. And so I come running out of the head going, whale ho, whale ho, right to port, right next to us. And the fellow up on the wheels going, really, where, huh? And nobody ever saw him again. Hmm. And the fact that a creature that big was that close to us, and I just happened to get a glance of it, is kind of, kind of gives you a little perspective sometimes, doesn't it? They're always an awesome sight to see those those things. They're just yeah, well, amazing. I I was in a yacht one time. We ran over a whale sleeping. Ooh, didn't hurt him. We just ran alongside of him, but. He sure scared us. <laughs> <laughs> I hit an ocean sunfish one time off of Mount Desert Rock. Now, they are a more temperate fish that drifts up here in the summertime, and they get pretty loggy in the cold water. And the uh, ocean sunfish is the strangest thing you will see out on, out on the ocean there. It has a dorsal fin that uh, it looks like they can't keep it up straight. It flops over. And when you go to look at it and you say, well, it's, it's just sitting there. Let's go look at it and see what kind of whale it is. It looks like a whale's head with no whale underneath it. It is a very strange critter. It's uh, kind of round. Mola mola, they call it, the ocean sunfish. Well, they are just like the freshwater sunfish shape, really. Yeah, yeah. but we much o- larger. We were running to Nova Scotia one time on autopilot and, uh, you know, hit one and 
threw it off of autopilot, and, and my buddy was downstairs. I knocked him right off his feet. I went around in such a circle. He says, what have you done? I says, I hit a whale. He says, what are you doing now? I says, making another run at her. <laughs> and we went, and she had some bottom pain on her, but, you know, uh, didn't, really, didn't really say anything. So, yeah. Anyway, we are doing boat talk this morning. We were hoping to get a uh, call from off of Sable Island, Nova Scotia. It still may happen from the Wanderbird people, but... Uh, we were hoping they might do that around 10 o'clock, and we still have Rich Hillsinger uh, lined up. Now, we often uh, uh, go on about some boaty stuff in the news, and I got one that I ran into the other day in a uh, boating magazine, Practical Sailor, I think it was. We talk about ecological bottom paint sometimes. Yes, yeah. e- e-paint. Yeah. E-paint, uh, yeah. subject to some past interest here on Boat Talk. They got a new one now. It ain't even paint. It is a sonic device that you mount on the inside of the hull. Yes, it's a small round transducer. You uh, fiberglass, let's say, a piece of plywood on the inside of the hull and mount it on that, and it vibrates. Kind of like uh, one of them jiggly chairs or jiggly beds or something, and uh, the idea is that it will operate uh, 24-7, I believe, uh, and it will, um, by vibrating, make a little film of water right at the uh, intersection with the hull in the ocean that critters won't like to be in. Huh. Yes. We got a couple problems with this, though. It turns out that they recommend that you put it over bottom paint, so you really haven't saved anything. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the other thing is it seems to make a noise. And, uh, That's the, what I was wondering, yeah. Yeah, the test, uh, the test installation for the magazine Practical Sailor uh, says, boy, it was, it was like... Uh, you know, somebody dropped a vibrator in, into the uh, bottom of the hull there, and they recommended that they go get a beer cozy, one of them little foam things, and put it in. That helped a little bit, but they could always hear it. And it also had to, uh, again, be gone over bottom paint. So uh, people are trying, but I don't know if that will be the solution. <laughs> Rich Hillsinger has just dropped in. So, so Rich will be doing On the Wing after, and, and with... Uh, Ultimate radio manners didn't make a sound when he came into the chair there. <laughs> morning, Michael. You can, you can be a lot more casual around boat talk. Mr. Fall, good morning. Yes. Good morning. Good morning. Beautiful day. Yeah. Oh, isn't it? And here we are in the uh, in the airless room here doing the radio. But uh, Rich, you're the director of the Wooden Boat School. Yeah. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah. We've uh, been trying to do this for how many years? Oh, we've talked to. Uh, we've had the other wooden boat people here. If we haven't talked to you yet, yeah. Yeah. Um. I, I uh, talked to Giffy last night, and I says, Giffy, we may talk to Rich about the wooden boat school. You wouldn't know anything about it, would you? And, and Giffy says, well, not that I haven't taught there for 15 years or so, right? <laughs> A so, lot longer than 15 years. You know, this is, is the yeah. 32nd year for the school, yeah. and uh, I'm going to say out of those 32 years that Giffy has probably taught there, 26, 27, 28 years. Wow. Wow. You wouldn't think he was that old, would you? No. <laughs> Especially when he sees You didn't ask me if I felt that. <laughs> Especially when I see him seated next to you two gentlemen. <laughs> Before we get to the wooden boat school, Giffy, you didn't have a wooden boat school to go to. How did you learn to uh how did you learn to teach the the hard way from the bottom up? <laughs> yeah, Exper- literally. <laughs> Pure experience. Uh, yeah. Life experience. Yeah, basically, yeah. 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 But I was very fortunate that when I was young I sailed with some really good professional captains, really good ones, and uh, I felt that I was very lucky 
Well, when you were even younger, you lived right near a boatyard. Oh, did you? yeah, and, and yeah. You used yeah. to go there. Yeah, and the uh, boat building was going on every day. Yeah. Even in, in the Depression, there were yachts under mm-hmm. construction all the time. Mm-hmm. And and it would say, it, it, in those days, it wasn't all this regulation. You can't do right. this, you can't do that. And and I, I lived at the boatyard mm-hmm. half the time after school. Yeah, I'm sure. And you probably uh, became uh, sort of a, a, a handyman for I, the... I a think gopher, I was probably gopher. more of a pain to be <laughs> tell the truth. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, the other thing is you grew up in a town that almost means the same thing as boats, which is yeah, Marblehead, yeah, Massachusetts. Yeah. And uh, it's not like you grew up in Podunk, Vermont, and, and yeah. ended up in the yacht business. And they, were, they built very beautiful boats, and uh, most of those boats were larger boats, and they had professional crews on them, and so you got to learn quite a lot. Giffy, you didn't make last month's boat talk. I, th- I think you had a, a medical appointment, but I brought a book in, and we read about you in the book. Uh, it's called Mar- uh, Marblehead's First Harbor. Oh, yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. U Grant, isn't it? You, uh, U Bishop. U Bishop, it's yeah. Great book, great yeah, book. I, I, enjoy, I quite enjoyed it. It's I about enjoyed boat it building and fishermen. Because it was one of those books. I started reading it, and the next thing I know, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> well, I'm reading along, and all of a sudden, here's a little story about my friend Giffy Full in it, you know, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah, we read that little passage. I wouldn't last believe month anything there. that's put in print. If you go to the website boattalk.org or weru.org, you can podcast the program. And we read about Giffy last uh, month here. Anyway, let's uh, get back to Rich and the wooden boat school. Uh, you know, wooden boat school. Uh, we got to put it in perspective. Comes from Wooden Boat Magazine, right. which was started a little bit more than thirty-two years ago. Right. Uh, we're in our thirty-eighth year now. Uh, looking forward to our fortieth anniversary here in, in uh, two thousand and fourteen. So, and uh, yeah, I've been there twenty-nine years now, which is hard to believe. Time flies. Yeah, uh, you, you know, you did try to it's, believe. It, it's just, it's just amazing looking back, and. Uh, you know, it's great having Giffy here because one of the reasons that we've enjoyed the success that we have had over all these years with the school is the fact that we've been able to bring in the best in the maritime industry in regards to the, the professionals who come to teach for us. And some of those folks are no longer with us, like Arno Day and Joel White and and Bud McIntosh and yeah. Boy and, and so many of the others who, who sort of led the way in the in the wooden boat world. And uh, Giffy, for years and years, as we alluded to earlier, uh, brought in so many people uh, interested in uh, marine surveying, uh, from uh, uh, people who wanted to get into the industry to surveyors who wanted to be recertified. A lot of U.S. Coast Guard personnel came in, insurance adjusters, just a whole stream of people made it to this little town of Brooklyn to uh, take courses with Giffy, and then all the other gentlemen, and then all the people we have these days from all over the world who come in and teach. So we have been very, very lucky over Well, years. you're lucky in another thing, too. You, you, the people who come there uh, are, are great. I, uh, in all that time, I've only seen two people that weren't happy there mm. out of Thousands. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Yeah. Only two. I'm surprised you found two in the time I've been over there. Mm. I haven't seen anybody that wasn't smiling. Yeah, it's it's well, we're lucky to have that beautiful place that uh, Wooden Boat uh, uh, lives on and, and runs its business out of, right in Brooklyn. And uh, you know, people 
aren't sent there. They, they, they make the effort to come there. Um, and I think that has a whole lot to do with it. Plus the uh, environment that, uh, that, that is created there from uh, the staff and, the, uh, and our faculty, and then just the beauty of that 64-acre uh, estate lends itself to just allowing people to sort of s relax. They come to learn, and it's, uh, it, works, it works very, very well for us. Uh, even in these tough times the past few years, we are doing extremely well. We're very fortunate that people continue to make this long trek to Brooklyn and uh, to take courses with us. It's a hands-on program, which has a whole lot to do with it. Every once in a while, I'll get somebody who asks, so what do you think the future of Wooden Boat School is with all this technology, everything done by computers? And, you know, I've thought about that question a lot, and uh, I can sincerely say that I think Places like Wooden Boat School, I think the future is very bright because as long as computers continue to do more and more things for us, we, as the human species, will always strive to do things with our own hands just for the satisfaction that is derived from whether it's making a wooden boat or whether it's making an Adirondack chair or a piece of pottery or whatever it is, doing things for ourselves with our own hands. I think that will always be a draw for us and will continue to bring people uh, to our school and a lot of the other schools out there. Or if you're just at home doing things on your own. Well, there's another key. aspect. I think after a while, people get sick of staring at screens mm. and punching buttons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Why don't yeah. you give, a, 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 for instance, a, some of your courses that are offered and, and the length of the courses? Sure, sure. Um, our program is designed around one week, two week, and three week blocks of time. Uh, there's almost 100 courses offered each season starting in late May, early June, and going until the end of September, early October. A whole uh, variety of traditional and non-traditional uh, boat building courses, uh, woodworking courses, carving courses, rigging courses, blacksmithing, metalworking, uh, a whole seamanship program for people who are getting introduced to sailing to folks who have quite a bit of experience from small boats up to big boats. Navigation courses, our marine survey program, uh, oil painting, watercolor courses, um, the, the sky's the limit. If there's any way that we can tie it into you know, the water, we will try it. Same as boat talk. Same <laughs> as boat talk, yeah. and it works. Um, we have a family week, too, which we started uh, maybe about six or seven years ago, introducing young folks, real little, real young folks uh, from 9 to 15 to come up with their family members and uh, learn boat building, seamanship, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. We're always thinking about the future. You know, that's the challenge now for, for not only Wooden Boat School, Wooden Boat Magazine, but WERU. Bring more people into the audience. Bring more yeah. DJs in here who are younger than us four. <laughs> and uh, not long ago, I was listening to uh, a show on, uh, I guess it was All Things Considered, and they were talking to folks from the uh, National Audubon Society. And they are in the same situation that we all are in, trying to bring young people in mm -hmm. and have them join that group and get out and get into birding and so on and so forth. So for the big challenge for Wooden Boat, the big challenge for Wooden Boat School is to try to continue to bring new people into the fold, so on and so forth. All the schools, you guys have highlighted a lot of them, you know, over the years, just here in Maine alone, all of the, 
the middle schools and the secondary schools that have boat building in their programs. That, I mean, that's the key. Yeah. That's the key. Yeah. You, you speak of uh, getting new people in, but in fact, you've got a high rate of recidivism. You've got a lot of people that come back and come back and come back. Yes, yeah. And do they ever run out of, uh, how, I mean, how about people that run out of courses to take? They repeat, don't they? Some of them do, yeah. You yeah. Know? And Mike, that's to, when we design the program each year in the fall, that is probably one of the biggest challenges we have. Our, our return rate is about 60%. How, which is how well does that speak of what you do? Well, you know, you can't get rid of those people. No. After you've taught them something. They yeah. say, you know, just want to come back and be there. Right. Yeah. Right. right. And uh, thank the good Lord that those people want to keep coming back and, and you know, being in Brooklyn and, and taking courses. But um, when I first started, uh, you know, 32 years ago, the average age of our student was about 40, 45. And now the average age of our student is between 50 and 55. Um, hippies Ooh. are getting older and older, ain't they? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the same thing with the readership for Wooden Boat Magazine. We're, we're brand new website up and a uh, lot of video now. And we're just, again, trying to strive to bring new people into the, uh, into the family, so to speak. That's good. Um, I have a, a quick wooden boat school story for you. Yeah. Uh, this involves younger. Um, I have a nephew who was born and raised in Florida and uh, has always been interested in boats. His father had, has a, a, a plastic sailboat. But um, he, when he was graduating from high school, decided that he really, really wanted to learn how to do woodworking and boats in particular. So he came up, um, I told him about the wooden boat school and signed up for a course to uh, build a dinghy. I think uh -huh. it was a, a nutshell, uh -huh. um, and took took that course and had a great time doing it. Uh, built himself a dinghy and took it back to Florida, and down in um, Fort Lauderdale where he lived, uh, they had an in water boat show. Well, it was in and in and on on land too, and he took his dinghy down to the to the boat show to show it off and see if he, maybe he could sell to, you know, some to some people and. Uh, while he was there showing off his dinghy, a pair of the, as use his words, a pair of blue-haired ladies came by, and one one lady said to the other, oh, look at that. They're making those little boats out of wood now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you another one that's pretty interesting to me. This is, goes back years ago. There was a young, very young man, probably around 11 or 12 years old, that came to Wooden Boat. Well, at that time, the boat built that particular course was all older gentlemen, let's put it that way. And, and uh, they weren't too thrilled to have this 12-year-old there hmm. and figured he's going to be a bit of a nuisance, but the kid was serious. And one man right off on, on Monday took this youngster under his wing. And the other guys, they weren't too happy. Within a couple of days... He had those older guys all turned around. They all left good friends. Huh, yeah. that's good. They just, they just went together, you know. You know like and the kid was serious, and yeah. he was there. Yeah. He really wanted to learn. Right, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah my, my nephew was there yeah. the same way. It was a yeah. great experience for him. He's, he uh, raves about it even today, about how much yeah. he learned in just a short time there yeah. and yeah. what a good time it was. Yeah, We're, we... Uh, you know, when you get people like that in, uh, we have a shop intern right now, a young fella, 17, from down in Brunswick, who's here for the season with us, and uh, been homeschooled his, his whole uh, education, and a, and a great kid, a talented woodworker, 
He's already built one boat. He's building a second boat now. Uh, wonderful fiddler. And it's great to see, uh, as Giffy was referring to, um, you know, the older folks look at young folks nowadays because a, a, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, folks out there think the youth of today, all they want to do is play video games and so on and so forth. But there's a whole lot of them out there that want to learn. And uh, skills that where they, again, they use their hand, those traditional skills, just because the satisfaction it, it brings, you know, the individual. And uh, we get a lot of young folks in, and it's really neat to see the, the dynamic that, that, that occurs. And, and the camaraderie that occurs every single week. You have people arrive on, on Sunday, which is the start of our week. No one knows each other. And it doesn't take long before people just let their guards down yeah. and just yeah. find yeah. how much we all have in common with each other, you know? And, and it's just, that's one of the most amazing things that I really enjoy week after week, month after month, year after year. It's just the, the social dynamic that occurs there in this, you know, at, at this boat building school, it, th there's a lot more that occurs there than just learning skills about boat building or sailing and so on and so forth. It's, and you know, one of the cool things about it, every Friday night we do this big lobster feed, and, and that, that's a chance for people to, you know, just sort of think about the week and, or the two weeks or however long they've been there. A lot of folks come for weeks on end. And, but I can't tell you how many times people have come up and said, Rich, this has been one of the finest experiences of my life, mm -hmm. not just because of what I've learned, but because of the people that I've been surrounded with. You know, I didn't know if I was going to fit in here. I didn't know if I was going to be in over my head. I just didn't know what it was going to be like. And a lot of times we go into situations where we have expectations or assumptions, and you really don't know what it's going to be like. And then once you give it a try, you realize, man, there's a lot of great stuff out there to do. But... Uh, and then some of the older folks say, you know, I wish I had done this years ago. I kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And, and a simple little thing that we don't have on the campus that lends itself greatly to this social dynamic is that we do not have any televisions. <laughs> and as a result, from the minute that people arrive, they find themselves talking with others, right, yeah. having dialogue with others. Mm -hmm compared to their routines that a lot of them have at home where they're going to work. Some of them have jobs they don't particularly care for. They come home from work, eat dinner, sit down, turn on the tube. They don't even know their next door neighbors. Get up, do the same thing the next day. Here, on our campus, there's nothing like that. So people end up communicating yeah. with yeah. each other, yeah. whether it's boats or whether it's, you know, where they're from, how they grew up every once in a while, politics, so on and so forth. And the more of that, the better. The, mm -hmm. more, the, the more sitting around and talking with each other, getting to know each other, it's, it's just, I just find it just fascinating. Well, let's, let's well, particularly in the wooden boat courses and stuff, uh, but I've seen, you know, back some time ago, people get into it, and the first thing you know, they're helping each other. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're doing boat talk this morning. Yeah, and we uh, have a phone call, too. Yeah, so. and, and like Rich was saying, we're uh, all sharing a common experience, and because it's boats, it's that much more cooler, and the, uh, and the air is that <laughs> much uh, more sharper and everything. But uh, you can give us a call anytime the phone has just rung. 1-866-625-9378. We'll talk to anybody about any time. You know, one of the neat things that... Uh, I, I, I wasn't able to listen to the first couple of minutes of the show, but the brand-new edition of Working Waterfront, 
traditional boats are coming back amongst the yeah, uh, oh, amongst yeah. the lobster yeah. boat yeah. fleet. Yeah. And they're high, very high quality boats. Yeah. True, Peter Cass. Very Castle, high quality. Peter Cass, Chummy is, Rich. Yep. Yes, and Chummy's just doing great stuff. But it's interesting that some of the guys working out on the water, not just the guys, men and women out working on the water, are starting to navigate back to wooden boats again. Mm -hmm. Well, there, there, there's a lot of reasons for it. Uh, they have more pride in the boat, one thing, and the boats are much more comfortable to work yes. in. Yeah. I, uh, some years ago, did a TV show for a company down in Chesapeake Bay, and he was talking about wooden boats. I was down there to do a, this program on surveying wooden boats, and I said, well, someday when you get a chance, go up to go up to Maine and see this fellow Peter Cass and the boat he built. Well, nothing would do. He went up there right <laughs> off and realized what was going on. He did a very nice yeah. program on it. Yeah. 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 Well, let's go to the phone call now. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Hi, this is Alan. And guys, this is Gray from Hancock. Hi, Gray. Thanks uh, for waiting. Great show. This is a really good example of how our community gets on the air. You know, a lot of different parts of the community. At any rate, I, my question is kind of directed towards... Uh, rich and uh, as an educator, and um, I'm going to preface. I'll try not to talk too long. Uh, I make my uh, my living at another kind of ob semi obsolete trade, handbook binding, and which is different than industrial machine binding. Although there are mechanical processes that occur, um, and one of the crises that is happening in my t trade now, as opposed to my craft is that there are increasingly fewer opportunities for people to be trained at the bench. In other words, to do a thousand instead of five things, you know, uh, all the same. That's the only way you really get the kind of handcraft experience that you need to practice a trade. Um, now, I know there are more boat yards than there are hand binderies, um, but I wonder... If maybe a lot of a lot of uh, boat workers are not as well trained in the hand aspects because they haven't had a chance to do it much industrially, and I wonder, Rich, what whether the boat school is considering this issue, and if so, what they might be doing or contemplating doing about about it. it it's a crisis in all the handcrafts, but I'm curious with the boat. Uh, boat businesses thinking about it. Yeah, thanks for your call, Gray. Good to hear from you. Um, well, uh, the focus at, at, at our facility is hand tools. Um, n nowadays, compared to uh, maybe 20, 25 years ago, and all the fellows at this table, I think, can attest to that. Back in those days, boat yards were were able and willing to train people who came in Nowadays, uh, boat yards are looking for people who already have woodworking experience, if not boat building experience. Time is money uh, more than ever today. Um, in the old days, a willingness to learn, I think, had a whole lot to do with when you walked in that front door at a boat yard, being able to find work. Nowadays, unfortunately, it's, it's uh, you know, on your uh, in your portfolio or on your resume, you need that hands-on experience. Um, in regards to the the, the boat yards uh, and the the ones that uh, focus on wooden boat construction, um, 
you know, there's there's two there's two avenues. Some of the yards are into uh, uh, more of a modern sort of uh, construction method, cold molding, things like that. That's been discussed on this this program numerous times, versus the old traditional plank on frame type of construction. But still, the interior joint work, all the work that goes into wooden boats, requires quite a bit of uh, woodworking skill, awareness, so on and so forth. Uh, I, th I think that the key, there's a number of boat building schools around the country, around the world. Uh, I think the key is to just continue to, to up work even harder to appeal to a younger audience. Unfortunately, a lot of the uh, high schools have cut out, uh, due to lack of funding supposedly, cut out a lot of the, the trades that used to be offered in schools. So that's eliminating a potential audience for boat yards out there and, and the like. Um, but again, I, I go back to that, just that individual interest on our parts as, as, as human beings. I think there will always be a number of people out there who have a serious, sincere interest in woodworking, working with their hands, and a portion of that crowd will be interested in, in boats and, and, and wooden boats. A, a number of people who have participated in our program are working in a lot of boatyards just around Hancock County, uh, Brooklyn Boatyard, Brian Reef's Boat Shop, Eric Dow's Seal Cove, the Hodgden Brothers further south, uh, Hinkley, a lot of the folks who have come up and taken courses of wooden boat school had the intention of trying to find jobs in the industry, and they have succeeded. Um, the boatyards down at Belfast, there's a couple guys working down there now. So if you want to pursue that as a livelihood, uh, a facility like Wooden Boat School is a nice first step. Um, if you're thinking about boat building and you really don't have much previous experience about it, I usually encourage people to come up and participate in some of our programs before they take that next step uh, and, and sign on for a stint at a long-term boat building school, for instance, the Landing School of Boat Building and Design down in Kennebunkport, which I think is the finest uh, boat building school in, in the U.S. There's also school, schools out in the Pacific Northwest and out in uh, Michigan and Minnesota. But before you're going to commit to that long term, those are one-year and two-year programs, and they're not inexpensive. Um, come up and give a feel and see what it's like. Get a taste of it to see if you can read about it in books and so on and so forth. There's a romanticism in, involved with, with boat building, especially wooden boat building. But come and give it a try. See if it's what you think it's going to be like. See if you feel comfortable in it. And then after that, go on and, and inquire about some of these other great programs. Yeah, if I could, I'd like to tell you another side story that I'll try to tell quickly. I uh, was invited to go on a 60-foot trawler out in British Columbia for, you know, just a little trip out for a couple of three hours. And I uh, got, uh, got aboard this boat, and she was a beautiful boat, just a beautiful West Coast boat. And the workmanship, I took this boat, walked around her, went down below in her, and finally went up in the pilot house, and I said to the owner who was running her, I said, who built this boat? She said, I did. I said, this boat... It's a piece of fine, fine work. All the joiner work in this boat is beautiful. The engine room's a show place. 
Yeah, he says, I built it with school kids. Oh, come on. Come on, I said, this is a joke. No, he said, I took uh, between six and eight kids that were getting into trouble. And he wasn't, this man wasn't a boat builder. He was in the accounting business, but obviously was skilled. And he built this boat over a nine-year period with school kids. School kids. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I just couldn't believe it. So I went back to Bill Garden, a naval architect who had designed this boat. And I said, is, is he telling me the truth? He said, yes, he absolutely built this boat with school children. Yeah. Kids, you know, 14, yeah. 15, 16 years yeah. old. And he taught those kids how to work with their hands mm -hmm. and kept them out of trouble. Yeah. It cost them nothing and didn't cost him much of anything. Yeah. You know, We're, I think there's countless examples like that, you know, yeah. of, of stories like that, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, whether they're boats or, or, or other projects. And, uh, you know, that's all the kids need is just an opportunity, a chance, and, and uh, they'll prove themselves yeah. time and time again. We're doing Boat Talk this morning, and uh, we we're talking to Rich Hillsinger from the Wooden Boat School, and we are... You know, in our, our inevitable fashion, just wandering through the subject, but the phone has just rang, and uh, I believe the Wanderbird people are on the phone. And we got an echo. Good morning. Are you there? Good morning. Are you there? Hey, good morning, Mike. How are you reading me? Here you good, Captain Rick. What, what, where are you at this morning? Uh, we're anchored about a half a mile uh, on the southwest coast of Cape Sable, or Sable Island, Quebec. And... What are you doing out there? Uh, we're, we run a trip here each year, and we, we uh, put folks ashore to explore around, learn a little bit more about this remote place, and then we, we continue on to a spot uh, just east of here called the Gully, where we, we search for uh, bottlenose whales. Eh? The uh, uh, Cape Sable Island Cape is uh, also uh, known as the Graveyard of the Atlantic. So we, so we trust that you're exercising great care there this morning. Yeah, you, that's right. You, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead, Cameron. Oh, you go ahead, Cameron. Yeah, we, I grew up uh, fishing, commercial fishing, and we were always taught to stay away from this place. So it's kind of a, it's, uh, we're, the, the hair's up on the back of my neck all the time while we're here, but it's uh, quite a nice day today. You have, uh, you have uh, passengers aboard. Passengers aboard. Yeah, that's right. There's there's 17 of us aboard. We've got uh, 12, 12 uh, paying guests and five crew. We land on the island. Walk about. Wild horses. Yeah, we're. I'm look. We're getting the we're getting the boats ready to go ashore now, and I'm looking in there, and I can see the big sand dunes, kind of like Cape Cod, and big big uh, herds of gray seals on the beach, probably a thousand at a time there, and we could see 20 or 30 horses walking along the, the dunes as well, so we'll get a chance to go in there and, and meet, with the, meet with the researchers uh, on the island and uh, have a walkabout. That's quite a picture That's you just pointed uh, painted, painted Captain Rick. Well, thanks for, thanks for having us on, and uh, I heard you had uh, Rich Hillsinger on there. Please say hi to him for us. We will. Yep. Uh, Wanderbird uh, is running out of Belfast, Maine nowadays. You do tours in the Gulf of Maine as well as go a lot further north. I understand. Yes, we do. 
Go ahead. I'm sorry, going to Labrador and Greenland, among other places. Yeah, that's correct. We just we left Belfast, uh, I think, two weeks ago, and uh, we'll be back in mid-October with uh, with 7,000 miles uh, under the keel uh, as we work our way up north toward uh, Kualanak or the old uh, or Thule, uh, Greenland, and back. So you won't be back so in, won't until be the fall. That's right. We're back. We're due back uh, mid-October, and then we'll run a month of trips uh, out of Belfast in the Gulf of Maine, uh, and then we'll uh, catch our breath. Are you booked up for Are the for the, summer? for the summer? Yes, we're 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 very fortunate to be to be full right up for the summer. Uh, we we still got some room on the main trips there there in October, but uh, it's it's a, it's been a good season, thank goodness. Captain Rick, uh, yeah, Wonderbird is an unusual-looking vessel. Could tell us about her. Wonderbird is a uh, is a North Sea trawler, uh, built in '63, 90 feet long, uh, built for some of the harshest uh, conditions in the world. She fished for more than 30 years in the North Sea before we started her on this endeavor. Uh, because we we come from a, a bit of a sailing, we we did put a sailing rig on her with the intention that uh, we would use it for uh, up here or up in the Arctic. Should we should we uh, lose uh, mechanical propulsion, we, we we feel we'd always be able to get ourselves home. But she's a she's a fine, comfortable vessel. Like I said, we got 17 people on here now, and oh, it's. We're not in each other's way, and everyone's comfortable, and we're enjoying ourselves tremendously. Uh, crew of five, twelve passengers. Do you have the passengers help you run the boat? Yes, we do. Uh, that's that's not not quite so much as in the windjammer days when we were there, but uh, they they have the uh, they have the option of helping wherever they like, from navigating uh, up here in the wheelhouse to. Raising and lowering the sails, helping in the galley, of course, uh, standing watches with us when we steam uh, on the clock. So they can get involved as much or as little as they like. Mike. You mentioned the galley, Captain Rick. I assume you feed them well as well. Oh, geez, we just we just had uh, let's see, spinach and mushroom uh, mozzarella crepes this morning and. And uh, oh, slices of watermelon. We're doing all right. We're, we're able to keep the weight on. Remember, that's like, Remember camping, that's like camping out there, and you don't have to, camp you don't have to camp hard. Hard. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> oh, it's good. I heard. I thought I just heard a thought. Ooh, there we go again. We are talking. Our young crew. Oh, oh I lose you. Yeah, fade your fade your fade your way. Okay then, Mike. Then we're good to talk with you, and we'll we'll see you in October. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Wanderbird. Travel safely. Uh, we're going to put a uh, link to the Wanderbird website on our own Boat Talk website too, for people who'd like to see the pictures of the boat and uh, get further information. Well, that was a little different for uh, conducting a, a little chat on the phone. Now we've we've suffered with cell phones and various different connections. Probably the first satellite phone chat I've ever done on yeah, the radio. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe be the last too. You want to uh, leave a minute for the echo there and it's uh, that was kind of interesting. Anyway, Wanderbird is off of Sable Island, Nova Scotia this morning. 
you talk about uh, calls from out and around, and they described a fantastic scene. That is a sand dune, and I have here a book from uh, uh, brand new. It's a uh, he's a professor at the University of Maine uh, named uh, Stephen J. Hornsby. Surveyors of Empire, and it's about the original surveying of the coast of North America, particularly this part here, by the British, starting in the in the mid 1750s and going through the Revolution. And they did a hell of a good job at that, and a pretty difficult piece of work too, especially in those days. One thing that they did not fix firmly on the chart was Sable Island, Nova Scotia, and the reason being it keeps moving around. Hmm. It's a sandbar. And it moves quite a bit sometimes. Huh. And as Captain Rick says, any boat that's in, uh, you know, grounding range at Cape Sable does have the hair up on it, on its uh, neck. And, and uh, you know, technically speaking, it's not a safe place, but a wild place. Wild horses, a lot of wildlife, and uh, again, uh, not a place that is easy to access. We were right there this morning on Boat Talk and had that great breakfast, yeah, too. You know if you how, could just imagine you know how it. the horses got there? Swam out? No, they were on the vessel, got wrecked there. Yeah. Huh. Giffy, they just, uh, on the news, there's a bear on Cape Cod, and they've never had a bear on Cape Cod, and I'm assuming he had to swim over, too, unless he went over oh, one they of the swim. bridges. I don't know. You know yeah. They don't. I've seen bears swimming in remote areas. Yeah. But anyway, Cape Sable uh, Island, Nova Scotia, a very uh, difficult place to get to this morning, and we were right there on Boat Talk this morning. Can't get ashore there unless the weather's smooth. Yeah, and think of a vessel like Wanderbird that uh, Captain Karen and Rick Miles have, uh, you know, have, uh, I guess I was going to say adopted the vessel, uh, probably has adopted them in some ways. They have a crew of three apprentices. That's their home. And how portable is their home? And also how capable does their portable home have to be to go the places they go, mm -hmm. um, including, again, they're, they're headed up to uh, Arctic regions well, later this summer. She's a, obviously an ideal vessel for that kind of yep. trips. Stout looking, no doubt, or capable is a good word to put to Wanderbird. I want to um, um, contact uh, number there right on the, uh, can you grab the contact uh, number right on the thing there? They have an 800 number. They do have an 800 number. It is 1-866-C-BIRD. C-BIRD. 1-866-C-BIRD. And the website is wanderbirdcruises.com. Yeah. And um, I wanted to quick fit in before the end of the show, too. I was hoping to talk with Rich about the Wooden Boat Show, too, which is also sponsored by Wooden Boat Magazine. It's going to be happening in... The Boat Talk Cruise. we got to get back to that, man. We oh, ain't right. even good yep. at plugging our own, yeah. our well, own gig. The Wooden Boat Show is happening in Mystic, Connecticut on July, um, June 29th through July 1st. And our friend Jeff Gold, who was down there working on the uh, Morgan, has offered uh, anybody who was going to the Wooden Boat Show to just ask for Jeff Gold at the boatyard, and he will be glad to give you a tour of the, uh, the restoration of the Morgan. So if you happen to be going to the Wooden Boat Show... you got friends in town. Yep. Just ask for Jeff at the boatyard. Cousin Jeff. Yep. And... Uh, <laughs> Tell him you're from Boat Talk, and he'll uh, give you the nickel tour. Speaking of friends, you got friends that got a boat down in Northeast Harbor. What well, we do, and they lend it to us, and they let us take you out on it. Yes. For a very nominal, uh, what, 20 bucks? $20. For the boat. Silly for a three-hour yep. three cruise. They keep saying we should raise the prices. We but promise I... to bring you back. We will never, uh, you know, um, uh, strand you on Gilgan's Island or anything. We come back very nicely. Uh, it's a potluck, BYOB. We'd like some kids to come so they can drive the boat while we potluck and B.O.B. and tell stories. The, the and boat is half full and play already. play music in the back of the boat. Yeah. 
fully covered. Can't be a bad night. Uh, it can only be a, a better good night. Yep. And, it's got to uh, be a really good night. There's still space available. The boat uh, customarily fills up there, and we highly recommend uh, that you be on the boat. It's kind of like uh, the old Merry Pranksters and whether or not you were on the bus uh, de- determined whether you were cool or not. Are you on the bus? Are you on the boat? The Boat Talk Boat is uh, July 20, uh, June 23rd. June 23rd. Give yep, Chris Saturday. here a call at the station during business hours, 469-6600, and he'll fix you right up. Here's one other quick website to check out, too, for you people who like uh, wooden boats, especially classic wooden boats. Uh, some friends of Giffy's, particularly uh, Maynard Bray and uh, Eric Blake and uh, Benjamin Mendowitz, uh, have started a new website called offcenterharbor.com. And uh, there are a lot of very interesting videos in this, and it's also a blog site, too, offcenterharbor.com. Check it out. I'm going to make a link on Boat Talk to it, too. That sounded like some of the hoi polloi of the Brooklyn uh, boat elite down there involved in that website. What we used to call the Brooklyn Mafia. Mafia, <laughs> yeah. And and uh, it has attracted a certain uh, kind of people, and they're not bad people, strictly speaking, but... It's a got, bad neighborhood. They've got their obsession. They're... they're <laughs> They're just uh, single-minded down there, Giffy, but in some, some ways. Yes, I'm but, afraid that's the case. <laughs> but not in, a, not in a bad way at all. And again, uh, talking about the wooden boat school, I think the theme earlier was how world-class it is. And while we're talking about world-class is also the location that it's in. I sailed by there just uh, very recently up Egmogan Reach and looked into the wooden boat cove. And it is a former uh, gentleman's estate, 64 acres or so with the uh, big manor house and then a boat house down on the shore with a pier and lots of nice uh, space in between the barns or the shop and it is just one of the nicest little spots around and even to drop down there whether or not you're in the school or not you're welcome to drop in and look around oh yeah, yeah it's and always a everybody is smiling trip. down there we have a common interest it's boats and therefore you can uh you know make other things happen with anybody else, uh, you know, basically for that reason plus. So mm. the Wooden Boat School down in Naskeg Point Road down in Brooklyn, Maine, kind of not on the way to anywhere, but uh, quite a destination well, I, I once you might get there. The, I charge everybody to go by my house. Yeah, and wave when you go by Giffy's <laughs> yeah. house. He's the one with the toll booth. <laughs> Giffy, you got your boat in the water. Oh, yeah. Yep, yeah, and we've yeah, uh, been yeah. spending some quality time out there. Well... Yes, I guess, it's, guess so, if you like working on your boat. Well, uh, hopefully that's part of the joy yeah. of it. No, I, I enjoy it. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, we've come up against it again. It's about time for us to make room for Rich Hill Singer coming up next with On the Wing here at WERU-FM Blue Hill 89.9, 99.9 in Bangor and around this great blue planet at WERU.org. I survive the pinch of fish and take some home to Lizer. I 
Support for Boat Talk made possible in part by Gamble and Hunter Sailmakers, making sales